Happy Wednesday, everyone. I have this wonderful talk planned for you about the great shape that the world is in, but I'm fearful that you won't believe me. And, uh, and so I think I'm going to start by explaining why you won't believe me before I get to the sermon. And it all starts probably two or three hundred thousand years ago with my caveman Ugg impersonation. So, uh, so, so bear with me. First of all, um, I'd be about three and a half to four feet tall. So, so Ugg is kind of a short fellow. And, uh, and what you would notice first upon meeting him is that you wouldn't even be seeing him. And so let me, I'll just hide here behind the first pew and peek out at you. Because uh, in that time, at three feet, maybe four feet at the most high, you know what? We did not have dominion over the planet. We were the prey as much as we were the hunters. And so very likely, uh, Ugg would have been in your presence and you would not have even known that. One of the amazing things today, what, what's the, you've probably heard this statistic, right, that we use like 60 to 70% of our brain power. Guess what? Ugg used 90. And the reason Ugg was smarter than we are, and I know some of you are skeptical about that, was he processed his five senses in a way through his brain way beyond anything that we can do today. So, for instance, I would have been able to smell you coming in the door today. And no offense, I mean, even those of you that, that just came from the shower, right? Yeah, I needed to be clear about that, didn't I, right? The moment you would have walked in the door, literally as far as a half a football field away, Ugg would have known just by his sense of smell, not only that someone had come in, but whether you were part of his tribe or not, whether you were an enemy, whether you might be looking to eat Ugg, or whether Ugg might send out the battle cry and we'd go and try and eat you. <laughs> so, so what was Ugg really good at? And, and, and here's where I'm going to start tying this in. Ugg was really, really good at a few things. Sensing danger reacting in an instant, amazing at risk assessment, able to flee or fight almost faster than he could perceive the dangers at hand. Okay, enough about Ugg. Let's move forward, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe 250,000 years. I know it's a leap of faith, but we'll, we'll do our best to bring us up to modern times. Guess what? Ugg is still there. All that evolution that our brains through, went through didn't actually change that processing of Ugg. The amygdala area of our brain down uh, near, the, uh, 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 near the brain stem still processes that information in exactly the same way. And our higher brain functions simply layered over the top of it. And that's why every now and then you'll, you'll be in, in a perfectly reasonable situation and something will suddenly have you on high alert, right? You'll wake up from a, a complete sleep and think you've maybe heard a, a tinkling glass sound. And it can take you from being completely asleep to full-on alert and, and, and right, you're ready to grab the baby 
baseball bat from under the bed. I hope no one here has, you know, weapons permits. <laughs> because sometimes that, that force can engage us, can it? We'll see a snake and immediately leap back, right? So that part of UG still exists in all of us. And guess what it's doing today? It's actually doing the same thing. We are amazingly good at threat perception and risk analysis today. And in fact, we are so good at it that that is why the news that gets reported is almost always about the risks and the threats because our brain, to some degree, that ancient part of our brain, still feeds on it, still wants to hear it. And so if you've ever thought about, well, why, why doesn't you know, Fox News talk about the, the new baby animals being born at the zoo? You know, why is it ISIS? You know, why, why doesn't the newspaper highlight the you know, school district in Ohio that's, uh, that's bringing in meditation in the secondary schools and the wonderful things that are happening, right? I mean, you can hunt down those news stories too, but what's on the front page? It's the headlines are designed for UG, aren't they? <laughs> the headlines are, you know, how many people died and, you know, how many people have unregistered handguns and, and why the Middle East is going to rack and ruin. And you would think that the world is in what? Is in terrible shape. Okay, that's the back. Now I'll get to actually do my, my talk tonight. That's the background for it. First of all, did you know the World Happiness Report for 2015 just got published? Guess what? We're happier than last year. Now, the personal news, the personal news is the United States is still in 15th place. So of, the, of all of the United Nations that go through this survey process, and it's part of the United Nations. If you are a member of the United Nations, your, your country gets to participate in this survey. And uh, I got to tell you, Mexico is still way ahead of us. Costa Rica is still way ahead of us. Uh, other countries that you would think, well, what do they have to be happy about? are still way ahead of us because, once again, the survey proves that economic factors and things like what we perceive as crime and things like that are not actually very good at tracking with what makes people happy. More money does not necessarily make people happy. But what I thought was interesting was some of the countries that, that did some flip-flops this year because although, on average, of the, the, the nations surveyed, 250 of them improved in happiness from last year. So, so there are whole nations of people, over 250 of them, that are happier this year. There were also 100 nations that were less happy. And it was interesting to see which ones they were. Guess who was leading the list of being less happy? It was Greece, right? Think about what's going on with Greece in terms of nearly a whole country going bankrupt and some of the issues. But, but nonetheless, right, we think of a, as a good Western nation, you know, part of NATO, part of what's been going on for a long time. So, so again, you see, it's not necessarily the economics of what's going on. It's the 
perception of what's going on. It's the consciousness, if you will, of the people. Are they perceiving that their lives are going well, or are they perceiving that their lives are not going well? It actually has very little to do with uh, who's living the longest, with who's the richest. It has very little to do with the outside and everything to do with the inside. Okay, but not only is the world happier this year, would you believe me if I said that the world was less violent this year? The world in 2015 was less violent. In fact, it was the less violent, least violent year in recorded history in terms of the number of people killed in some kind of armed conflicts. And I want to read you just a little bit uh, from this. Uh, this also was a, a United Nations-sponsored uh, report. Um, if it bleeds, it leads to truism in the news coverage. We all sympathize with the victims of senseless violence and war because we know that it could have been us and our families. Yet, our world has never been less violent except in the news media and entertainment. Media coverage exploits our sympathy and empathy for victims, elevating our sense of danger out of proportion to the actual threat. Of course, it also feeds on the shock of seemingly safe places being violated, such as churches, schools, and other places where people congregate. But whereas the world is a lot less violent today than at any other time in our history or even prehistory, that fact escapes us thanks to our daily diet of journalistic carnage. The worldwide probability of dying in a terrorist attack is infinitesimal, less than one in 100 million chances per day. This risk is about three times lower than it was in 1980. The chances of you dying in some kind of a, a terrorist attack is a third, three times lower now than it was in 1980. Yet, respondents to surveys believe that the risk has gone up. They did a survey asking people whether they believe the world was riskier now or in 1980, it was almost 100% of respondents said the world is, of course, much riskier now. And yet, it's not. And the report goes on to talk about uh, uh, not, not only uh, international violence, but domestic violence and uh, you know, crimes against people. Uh, theft and burglary are up. Uh, but actual crimes against people in the United States and in almost every country on the planet is down. And in some countries, dramatically down. In fact, some of the what we think of as third world countries, uh, their crime is almost non-existent. It's like 100 times less per capita than what we experience here in the United States. And the United States is at a 30-year low for crime against people. So remember the, well, actually, I'm looking around. A lot of you can't remember the 60s. You weren't born yet. But, uh, <laughs> but for those of us around in the 60s, did, did your family even lock the door? 
it was more dangerous then than it is now. So I'm not telling you, of course, to go home and not lock your doors, <laughs> but I do want to point out that we're getting a steady diet from the media of, uh, of that idea that things are not safe, uh, that we're not safe. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll share a, a brief example. Um, uh, so I don't know why you were talking about our dogs, but here I have a dog story, so we'll just reinforce that. Uh, so we live uh, not too far from the Woodstock neighborhood, and there's a, a great dog park there, an off-leash dog park. And, and apparently it's one of the few in the city of Portland that doesn't have an elaborate fence around it. So, uh, so when you go there, it's like on, I think, 55th and off Woodstock. And, and when you go there, there's a, a, a large green belt of park and uh, another kind of treed area, and then in the middle of it, in this kind of two-block area, is a, an off-leash dog park, and then there's a, another green area and some more trees, and then there's a playground, and then there's a school. So one day we're taking our dogs there just to, you know, be goofy and have fun, and there's a news crew there. And so we think, oh, well, this is fun. They must be just, you know, from Parks and Rec, and they're, they're filming, you know, dogs having fun at the dog park. But guess why they were really there? They wanted to see if they could get coverage of the dogs troubling the children in the playground that is like, you know, a block away. And they had their cameras set up all day and, of course, got no footage, whatever, and they were very depressed. It's ugh, I swear. It's ugh in the modern day, ever vigilant, ever watching for that slightest hint of violence so that we can, what, f flee or fight, or right? So, so you know, 100,000, 200,000 years later, for many of us, that ugh influence is there still trying to highlight how dangerous things are in order to protect us. So we talked about the world being happier. We talked about the world being violent. What about things like health? What about things like economic indicators? Isn't the southern Sudan still in big trouble? Isn't Africa just, you know, we probably just need to move everyone away from there because they can't feed themselves? Um, well, the Gates Foundation also just released, uh, released its report for 2015. And I want to read to you just a few things from it. First of all, the child mortality rate not only was cut in half in the last 25 years without any changes to technology, it will be halved again in the next 10 to 15 years. We have gotten so good at, uh, at, at midwifery. We have gotten so good at even in underdeveloped countries of taking care of women when they're, uh, when they're pregnant that the child mortality rate and especially infant mortality rate cut in half and soon to be cut in half again. They are starting to um, more like mimic the first so-called first world countries uh, in vanishing rates of child mortality. 
Another one, uh, in, just in 2015, a breakthrough in crop management. Now, you may not think, well, so like, what's a breakthrough in crop management? Well, it has been very difficult for Africa in general because of the nature of where people live and the nature of the soil where people live. Uh, you know, for years and years and years and years, Africa has had to import a lot of its food. And this is very difficult. Uh, you know, trading natural resources for food, food is kind of a dicey thing, and it's easy to be taken advantage of. And some of the blood diamond issues and molybdenum and some of the other places where other parts of the world have, have, have really done a bad thing with Africa, Africa trying to buy food, it is now predicted that within five to 15 years, Africa will be able to completely feed itself. It will be once again in charge of its own natural resources without having to be subjugated to some of these crazy schemes in order to buy food from abroad and things like that. And it's just this last year, some of the final pieces of, of, uh, of, of, of crop, well, let me get the right word here, crop management that will allow them to plant crops that actually grow well, even under poor uh, soil circumstances. And so really they're, they're anticipating within 15 years, more likely 10 years without any additional breakthroughs, Africa will be completely feeding itself. The other part of the Gates report this year that I thought was amazing was they did a five-year plot and the poor are not getting poorer. You know, there's that old saying that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, and uh, a lot of the political candidates like to talk about the gap happening. Um, and, and, and it could, you know, it might be true to some degree here in America that, um, that there is a greater gap between those people in the 1% and the, the people who are in the so-called 99% or 98%. But, you know, that's a pretty isolated phenomenon. Throughout the world, the poor continue to have amazing economic gains. Many of the countries that they surveyed have doubled their gross national product in the period of five and 10 years. Poverty itself, the Gates Foundation, and, and they come up with a very rigorous way of measuring what they consider to be poverty, you know, making sure you have reliable housing, making sure that there's uh, adequate food, uh, you know, certain levels of Medicare and things like that. The world will no longer have poverty in it. It is predicted by 2040. So why do we have such a different opinion? What can we do to de-ug ourselves? I guess that's my bottom line tonight, and that's where I, I want to spend the, the rest of our time together. What, what is it that we can do so that we're not coming from that place of looking for the disaster, actively waiting on it? And, and of course, as good science of mind people, why is that so important to us? Because the more we look for a disaster the more likely we are to find one. The more, the more we, we dwell on the negativity of the world, the more the impact it has right on us personally to experience some of that negativity. And so it's not just that we're sort of ignoring the facts that the world actually is in pretty good shape, that we're in pretty good shape. Uh, that would be enough, but, you know, I'm all for self-delusion now and then. <laughs> so, you know, and that doesn't bother me so much. What does bother me is 
that if we keep having such a poor opinion of our country, our leadership, our ability to make it in the world, um, the world itself, our poor opinion when held closely to us will outpicture in our own lives. Perhaps that's why the U.S. isn't increasing much on the happiness scale because we're dwelling on unhappy events. And so my, uh, my rally here tonight, my, uh, uh, what I would like to leave you with is, what are we doing to de-ug ourselves? And I'm going to make a couple, I think, good suggestions. The first suggestion is, let's actually examine the facts. Let's not assume that because it appears on Fox News, that that is a good depictation of what the world is like. Because I can tell you right now, all the popular news sources are going to seek out that violence, that, that ugliness, and display it to you. They're firmly in ug mode. And so we got to get beyond that. So if you want to know whether your neighborhood is safe or not, actually look up the facts. If you want to know whether or not you're sending your daughter off to, to school and having her walk there is safe or not, let's actually look at the child abduction uh, statistics, right? How safe is she? And you will find that she is much safer walking to school than she is driving with her mother. <laughs> right? Now, some of you are going, that's outrageous. But, but the, the traffic statistics actually show that if a child can reasonably walk to school, they are safer <laughs> than us driving them. <laughs> so it's time for us to really engage our brain in trying to decide what's actually true. What's true about our safety, what's true about our lives, what's true about the goodness and the, and, and the safety of the world, the security that we desire, all of those things, the good news is we can pretty much look them up now. Most of us can just look them up ourselves with the right amount of Googling and, uh, I don't know, Yahooing, and we'll throw in some other dot-coms in there, yeah. But we actually have more power. That's one of the nice things about the information age. You can look up crime statistics in your own city and see what it was 20 years ago, see what it is today. See whether your part of Portland or Lake Oswego or the metro area is safer than some other part. And what does that even mean, Right. If only one burglary happens every five years, right, but they smear it all over the newspaper, it might feel like it's not safe, but maybe it is. The other thing that we can do to de-ug ourselves, I think, and this one uh, really hits home with the Science of Mind community, and that is we can start having intentions of reprogramming that part of our brain that was seeking out the negative. We have the power to begin seeking out the positive. If we want to see peace in the world, we can begin having those intentions of noticing and lauding and celebrating peaceful efforts. We can focus in on places where economic gains have been made, where health and safety issues have been overcome. We can focus in on some of the innovative and wonderful things that are happening on this planet. And when we focus on that, when we, when we uh, transform our, our ugness into one of looking on the horizon not for threats but for opportunities, when we turn our thinking into what's going right instead of worried about what could go wrong, the differences you will see. 
I think that's what those happiness statistics are way more about than, than the social and economic forces. I think it's the people feeling good about themselves and their families and what's going on. And that's all from the inside out. That's all our intentions of bringing love, our intentions of being nice to our neighbors, our, our intentions of living the good life and highlighting and celebrating the pieces of our lives that are good. That's what generates happiness. It's not just getting a raise at work. It's not just having our, you know, our daughter go out for the honors program. I mean, those are, those are nice things, but it's the inward journey that produces happiness. It's our ability to, to look at a field of possibilities and set our intentions for something simply wonderful. So, um, you know I like to do homework. <laughs> Can anyone guess this week? This week, or this month, I guess, I would like you to examine your sources of information. If you are feeling flooded with negative information... If your morning newspaper or your daily diet of looking on the web for information, if you're, um, I don't know, if the channels you watch on TV are, are telling you how terrible things are, how risky things are, how expensive things are, maybe you need to change your diet of news. And so that's simply my homework for this week. Where is the information coming from that you digest most frequently? And is it really giving you the real story or the story that would benefit you? So you may need to end up making some adjustments. You may need to, to change some of your habits on the web, web to look up some sources that are more positive. It may require you to seek out some information instead of having it delivered to you uh, by a group of people who want to sensationalize uh, what's going on in the world. So are we good with our homework? I think it could totally change your lives. I'm, uh, uh, we'll compare notes next time. I've started working on this a little bit myself. Just had to turn off Fox News. Sorry if any of you are, are, are fans of, of certain networks and certain news coverages, but oh my gosh. Uh, some of the stories I was noticing weren't even particularly true in the way they were presenting them. And so, so give it some thought. That's your homework. I'm going to close today um, with a prayer. And also just that invitation for each of you to analyze your intentions for making this world a better place. We all know that it is our intentions that turn into our actions, that it is our dreams that turn into our realities, that it is our, our innerness being, our inner consciousness that outpictures into the world. I would sure hate to see us slipping on any of these world charts, right? We didn't do any gaining in the world happiness, and we didn't do any gaining in the... In fact, the U.S. is actually up a little bit of violence um, this, this year of certain kinds. Uh, so I want us to take a look at that. Is that what we stand for, or is it something else? Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe that is this thing that I call God. And what I know about God is that it is infinite. 
And the good that is represented by God is infinite. An infinite amount of love, of peace, of joy, an infinite amount of resources for us to use, an infinite amount of connections with other people and and ways of being that promote this world to be a luscious, beautiful, kind place. And the reality of it is we're in that global awakening already. Despite what comes our way in the news media, the world has woken up. We're beginning to see the the fruition of us living in a global economy that is good and that is beautiful and that is powerful. And so my prayer tonight is to accept that. My prayer tonight is to celebrate it. My prayer is to be one with it, to understand that each one of us does our own part as we have intentions for love, as we celebrate the the safety and security of our lives, as we, we feel more grounded in the perfection of not only God, but even what's going on here in the planet. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for each one of us showing up with great intentions. I'm grateful for each one of us being part of God's light in the world. And so with a lot of love, a lot of gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the world. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here tonight. So glad you're here. Thank you.